And welcome, everybody, to the ninth episode of the Hot Esquina podcast. Bienvenidos. Yo soy Enrique. I do not have John with me again today. Um, prayers up for his dad and everything he's going through. But I am welcomed by another guest host that everybody in Yankees Twitter should be familiar with, Sean Negron. Uh, we're going to discuss the Yankees' uh, recent series against the Orioles. We're going to preview their series coming up right now against the Tigers. And we're going to discuss some other stuff. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. So, before I get everything started, let me welcome my guest host on, Sean Negron. Sean, welcome to the podcast, bro. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, excited to be on here and... Uh, Hope they every, hope everything is well with John and and his family and uh, and uh, let's let's talk some baseball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're preaching to the choir when you tell me that, man. <laughs> um, you want to shout out your socials really quick? Where can everybody on Yankees Twitter find you if they don't follow you already, which they should be? Uh, well, I'm I'm relatively new to the game of uh, Yankees Twitter. I, I've been I've been on Yankees Twitter for a long time. I just haven't been uh, so social as I am now, but. You can follow me at, at Sean Negron or Sean Negron25 uh, on Twitter and uh, and Sean Negron Jr. on Instagram. And I'm um, just getting started, uh, and hopefully we can uh, grow together. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For y'all that don't know, um, Sean has worked with Julian Guillarte in the past and is still a good buddy of his. So if y'all follow Julian and don't follow this man, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Like, get to following this guy right here. Yes, uh, it, uh, me and Julian's relationship is is great. Me and him have uh, have worked together for about a good year now, and we, we bounce ideas off each other all day, every day. And uh, I've been trying. He's been helping me so much with 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 helping me grow as following, and just constantly, I'm constantly working on my on my uh, Yankees Twitter and baseball in general, and uh, I'm. I'm excited to be a part of Yankees Twitter now. I've I've been I've been on the outside looking in for a long time, always always following, always watching, liking tweets. But then I said, you know, I I have the knowledge. I think I can I think I can contribute in some way. And uh, I I saw a lot of a lot of people that I know, a lot of people that I've seen, and uh, I I was like, you know what? Let me let me try this. I I could do this. So that's that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, ready to grow. There you go, brother. And nothing like diving right in head first, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just got to so, go in. No hesitation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You already know. So so for everybody that didn't get to watch the entire series this past weekend, first of all, you didn't miss much. Um, the Yankees lost 1-2 to two on Friday in 11 innings. Uh, the offense was anemic with only a Giancarlo Stanton RBI single to right field, accounting for the only run. Monty went five innings pitch without allowing a run. He was okay. And the game, unfortunately, came down to some questionable calls on balls and strikes with Schmidt and Chapman pitching in extras. And the O's literally, literally walked it off on us. 
it, it was it was incredible. Um, on Saturday, the Yanks won five to two. Anthony Rizzo continued his solid production, getting an RBI in this game. Josh Donaldson hit his first home run as a Yankee this game. Tyone went four point two, uh, giving up two earned runs, and you know nothing more to say on that. We won, so hey, good for us, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> then on Sunday, the Yanks lost zero to five. Nestor Cortez was ridiculous. Nasty Nestor is making a name for himself. He already had before, but he's just becoming an even bigger darling to Yankees Twitter and to the entire world every time he comes out there. If you look back on what he did last year and what he's doing this year, he went five shutout innings and struck out 12 O's. Had them looking silly. Some of this movement on his pitches was crazy. We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, this game, pretty much, you want to talk about anemic. This game was 0-0 zero to zero until the eighth inning when the O's scored five unanswered runs, four of them off Johnny Lasagna. I don't know what the hell was happening with him this game. And... That's the recap. Uh, so, Sean, what did you think of the O's series, bro? Anything to add on? Uh, well, starting off with the first game, it was uh, it was tough in the beginning. It it's it it's definitely influenced by when Yankees Twitter comes out, and you know you see how uh, restless the Yankees Twitter can get. But sometimes you gotta just like like myself, I'm very patient, and so I'm I know it's still the beginning of the season. So I'm, I'm I was hoping for, you know, that we would we would try to tack on runs and you know like you know it's it's early but we're still trying to get there, and uh, on Jackie Robinson Day it was I, I expected us to you know really come out and and uh, win that game but it, we seemed very slow right from the start, and uh, besides for the stand RBI um, we just seemed very like like a half second behind on everything and. Even though we did, you know, pile up, uh, I think seven hits, if I'm not mistaken, but and Stan had three of them. Uh, the the rest of the team looked very sluggish, and uh, especially when it came down to around the eighth, ninth inning, you know, we really started to see the team eighth, ninth, and even in extras, uh, we really started to see the team like be a whole step behind, and we couldn't get anything going, and we we left so many runners on base. I think I think we left 20 runners left on base. Which, you, you are know, dead on. You you are dead on with your stats so far. The Yanks did have seven hits. Uh, Giancarlo had three. Um, Donaldson had one. Gallo had one. LeMahieu had one. And uh, Higgy had a hit. And that was your Yankee offense right there. And, yeah, 20 runners left on base, my friend, against the Orioles. Yeah, and that's the thing is that we had, I think – if I'm not mistaken, I know Aaron Hicks got into the grounded into a double play with the bases yeah. loaded, and I think yeah. Kiner Falefa had done it in a little or a little later in the game, which it just we just kept every time we got men on base and we started to really get on a roll. We would we would kill our momentum before the Orioles could kill our momentum. We we were shooting ourselves in the foot almost every every other inning, so it, that's what really hurt and and. There were so many times where we would leave runners in scoring position with, with two outs. Uh, well, Mayhew had done it a couple times. I think even Rizzo had done it, uh, I think, once. 
And um, that's what, you know, that's what just kept killing us. Every time we, we really thought we were, like, knocking on the door, we, we never pushed through. Yeah. The Hicks one was really bad. That's the one that really stood out. Yes. I remember being infuriated and, like, basically letting out my emotions and venting on Yankees Twitter afterwards um, because I felt like that was your time. If I remember correctly, I think that was either in the bottom of the seventh or sorry, top of the seventh or top of the eighth. It was late in the game and you had a chance to get momentum back on your side and you, <laughs> you got into the worst possible outcome you could do in a game like that where the O's had all the momentum on their side, feeling good, playing at home in front of their fans, even though that is Yankee Stadium South, you know, but you, you know, you could still hear Orioles fans in there saying, let's go O's, let's go O's. You had a chance to shut those people up. If anything, you could have at least, at least hit a fly ball deep somewhere to that Hell, you could have hit it to that deep left field that they've constructed, right? Pushing that left field wall back. You could have hit a ball there and at least come away with a run. No, you had to ground into a double play, ending any momentum you had when you loaded the bases and essentially killing any chance you had to gain momentum and walk it off. And I don't know about you, Sean, but afterwards they looked sluggish. Like afterwards they looked like they... Not sluggish, that's the wrong word. I think the correct word is they look defeated afterwards. Like it's almost as if after that double play happened, they're like, well, that's it. There, There's our chance. That's it. Like they didn't look inspired after that. Do, do you agree? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think because of how quickly the momentum had built, and I think it was the sixth inning, if I'm not mistaken, and um, the the way the, the momentum had quickly built from DJ getting that single – and then, sorry, there's a train. <laughs> You're good. Um, You're good. <laughs> uh, from DJ getting the single, and then you know Glaber working that four pitch walk, and then you it was such a quick momentum shift. Then you had bases loaded because you already had Rizzo hitting the single, and then they change pitchers and they bring in the the former Yankee Dylan Tate or the former Yankee system Dylan Tate, mm -hmm. uh, and. You know, Dylan Tate comes right off the bat and throws three straight balls. It's a 3-0 count. He's clearly wild. He's not. He's not finding the zone. And you know, you just you just kind of just sitting there going, don't, don't do it, because he's a mainly a sinker ball pitcher. You know he's gonna throw it low. You know he's gonna throw it low and inside on you. That's his mo. He's always done that. And then you you just see it. The second you saw that swing, you're just going, oh my god, like. It was so deflating for us as a fan base, and you know, sitting there when you're on the top of the dugout, you're like, "Yes, let's get on the board. Let's, you know, let's let's keep the momentum going." And then that happens, yeah, that's that's gonna kill you because I don't think, I don't think the Yankees did much after that regarding runs on base and stuff like that. They just, yeah, it wasn't sluggish. I say, I, I would say more, yeah, like defeated and doubted. I think after that, yeah, man, it it was just. It was just bad. And then and then you had the win on Saturday. So you you felt good. Like you didn't feel as good as you would have if you know you had the chance to sweep them on Sunday. Like if you had won on Friday before getting that win on Saturday, you would be feeling really good about yourself and not just good, but feeling like where 
you're where you're sh- you should be because i mean make no mistake and i said this in the previous episode make no mistake this should have been a sweep of oh, the yeah. baltimore orioles you have no business letting baltimore even take one game on you if you're fully healthy you know injuries you know unforeseen circumstances happening fine fine anything can happen in the words of john sterling that's baseball susan right that's right <laughs> but but if you are fully healthy there is no reason you should lose one singular game to this team so after winning saturday you go into sunday's game and you're thinking okay maybe we don't have a chance to sweep them the way we should be because we are so better than this team at least on paper but at least let's come away with the series win you're feeling good about yourself you know like i said you won 5 to 2 you clearly outplayed them like it wasn't even close like it felt like Saturday's game almost felt like the real Yankees showed up, at least the bats, you know, like their bats showed up. You felt like you were watching the team you're supposed to be watching. Mm-hmm. And then they, they go into Sunday and it's like, they forget how to hit. What the hell happened? Like, I, I don't get it. You know, I'm there watching the game while I'm in Tampa, uh, seeing the, the Tampa Tarpons with John Brophy and, and Julian, um, and I'm like there watching the game while I'm watching the Tarpons game. And I'm just there like befuddled. I'm like, how are we still scoreless in the eighth? You know, and I'm like, well, okay, okay. Scoreless in the eighth. Maybe they'll walk it off in the ninth. Bro, I never would have imagined they'd give up five unanswered runs to this team, to this Baltimore team. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, Especially was... off lasagna of all people. Like, he had been good up, to, up until that point. Yeah, uh, lasagna had looked good. Um, I love calling lasagna. It's, but uh, you know he looked good, and uh, it's just it seemed like there were a lot of mental mistakes going on it, from from the Yankees and hitting and and all the way till you know the the Boone and like his decision making, especially with the this. If if you want to break it down, you go to the Loisaga versus you know. Odor at bat, and that at bat makes almost no sense as to why you would you would go with you know uh, Litke was in the bullpen waiting. He wasn't throwing anymore because he was fully ready, and it seemed like the perfect lefty on lefty opportunity. Odor, as we know from last year, he struggles mightily against lefties, and you know he was pinch hitting for that moment, and so it was like a perfect. You could have had an opportunity to switch it. And, you know, get him out and then end the inning. And it would have still been 0-0 heading into the top of the ninth. But, I, you know, that's a uh, a call that Boone makes where he, he I guess he felt comfortable and why is it good, you know, using that sinker to get uh, Odor to swing and chase. And it, it backfired completely. And then after that, as we've seen, like, two or three games last year with why is it good, is once he gets hit like that, you know, he it kind of it's like a it, – it, it's like a it's like a flood it just keeps going and and it you know at that point it was too hard to to maintain it and even when Licky came in he didn't have his stuff either so i'm not sure if we if we could have stopped it but that's just a small little part the real danger was our hitting and and 
you know, going into the game with, you know, having uh, Rizzo and Gallo sitting on the bench. And, you know, it that is that that upset me. And I understand that they're doing this rotation thing where everyone someone sits every every game. Mm-hmm. There's always a starter that's sitting. But to sit, you know, Rizzo and Gallo on, on a day where you have the day off tomorrow, the next mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. you would think that you would go in saying, we need this series win, guys. We all yeah. sit tomorrow. You know, we, we got to come out here. We got to win. We cannot, you know, lose two out of three to Baltimore. No way. And head to Detroit. And that, you know, that's what ends up happening. And then, you know, throwing Rizzo and Gallo in, you know, trying to get some momentum. As any former baseball player will ever tell you, pinch hitting is one of the hardest things to do because you have to find yourself in like a game mode mentality in that moment, in, a, in always a clutch situation, sixth, seventh, eighth inning, to come in and, you know, produce for the team. And so uh, yesterday's game, I mean, uh, Sunday's game really upset me because of the fact that that sitting our guys, our starters for so, you know, so many times so far this year, it feels like our team is, is fragile. And I, I, know, I know I'm rambling on here, but, you know, like Michael Kay has had mentioned this on Friday and he, uh, no, no, uh, yeah, on Friday. And he said it so well where he said it, it seems almost like a different era of baseball where we mm-hmm. are talking about four or five games and in our thinking about how tired our, our starting players are. And it, he said that if, if you're, if you're worried about your starters being tired after four to five games, then you pick the wrong team. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, I don't think they're worried so much. I, I spoke about this recently, both with, with um, Julian and with uh, Alex, who, who guest hosted with me last Friday. Um, we, we both spoke about this subject, ironically enough. Um, it's, and I spoke about it in a Twitter space recently, man. It, it's it's the new era of sports. It's not just baseball, it's sports. And honestly, I blame the NBA because they're the ones that started this whole load management thing. If you remember, oh, yeah. he, you know, with LeBron, for instance, he's the king of load management. Like how many games does he take off? You know, oh, and I, yeah. so it, and you know, with sports, sports are, are copycat leagues. They see one league do something that works, they the rest of them do it. And in an era where we live looking at analytics like it's the holy bible, you know, I guess the analytics must tell people, hey, if you rest players x amount of games, their durability for the whole season will increase by x amount of games, which I think it's stupid. I think at the end of the day, you just need to play your best players, period. Because, okay, giving a guy a day off here and there after a, a month, maybe a couple months, okay, I get it. You know, because you don't want to tire out your your players either. But having them sit this day, then play another day, it's like, I don't know, man. To me, it's like you're almost tempting fate to like, have guys get injured anyway because you're getting you're getting their bodies loose and then stiff from not playing, then loose again from playing, then stiff again from not playing. It's like you're you're, you're tempting fate. Yeah, exactly. I I agree with you one hundred percent. I think 
I, I, I've been trying to tell myself that it's just the beginning of the season and it's kind of still like a spring mm-hmm. training, like end of the season. So, I mean, yeah. end of the spring training type thing. Where you well, remember, it. remember, it was a shortened spring training exactly. because of the lockout. So maybe that, maybe we need to give uh, Boone and his analytics nerds a, a break <laughs> on that because, you know, maybe they're taking that into account too. That's that's what I'm thinking. It's, and you know that's the, that the Yankees in their system, they, they think about, things that we would never think about and especially yeah. when it comes to the analytics and we should sit this guy this day it's only april you know whatever and you know you never know they're still trying to get bad speed you know it's just so much going on so i'm gonna hope that this first month is based off just that but you know i obviously there's going to be injuries and this this little 10 man starter for nine positions thing i think it's going to end eventually but um i hope that when it does, that we have momentum and guys are going six to seven games, seven eight games without sitting, like they should. Obviously, we're gonna have someone rotate every time, but it's uh, got to change this up because it's clearly not working. Because none of our guys are are hot right now. There's, you know, the guys that we traded for aren't hot right now, and so it's it's made us very slow. Actually, man, that is the perfect segue because I wanted to move on to our next topic. And I wanted to tell you, uh, let's dive into a little bit of who's hot and who's not in this next topic. Who's hot is obvious. It's Nestor Cortez, bro. Oh, yeah. What else can you say about this guy, man? You know, he's been hot ever since last season. His latest stint with the Yankees, it, it you know, for those of y'all that don't know, you know, this is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his third stint with the Yankees. He's been been a journeyman a little bit in his career. He even played for the O's at one point. Um, but, yeah, it's like he has turned his career around ever since 2021. I don't know if it's just that he's had better command on his pitches um his slider moves so well his cutter seems to (laughs) fool hitters left and right you know and I was talking to Julian and John about this on Sunday while we were at the Tarpons game and and watching the Yankee game at the same time like I said I told them I'm like you know even though this isn't as good as what this guy did you know Hall of Famer but the way he's locating his pitches and the way he's doing it with less velocity than you see from the average pitcher in, in the major leagues, it's almost Greg Maddox-esque. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you remember, I'm, I'm old enough to remember Greg Maddox. I'm 38 years old, so I, I saw Greg pitch. And he was never a guy that was going to strike you out blowing you away. No, he was going to pick at the corners he was going to have pinpoint accuracy. He would make you think before swinging the bat. And sometimes he would throw pitches that would just freeze you because he would pitch them in the perfect spot where either your knees would buckle or you'd by the time you'd react and want to swing the bat, it was already too late because his location was that good. I feel like Nestor Cortez is at that level right now. Am I saying he's Greg Maddox? Absolutely not. He's got a long way to go <laughs> if he wants to reach that. But the level of control he has with locating his pitches right now, with 
the low velocity that he has compared to other pitchers, it's ridiculous, bro. Oh, yeah. And with him is what what makes him so unique. It, I think that's the perfect word for him is because, you know, guys like Garrett Cole and, and you know, Severino and, and obviously the other amazing pitchers in baseball, they have – they're gifted the stuff. They – they have the 100-mile-an-hour, 98-mile-an-hour fastball with the wicked curve or the slider, whatever, change-up. But, you know, Nestor had to create his way. He had to make his unique way of, of being different. And what he's so different in is his, is his timing, his release, and he catches you off guard all the time. Sometimes he gets the ball back, he's already in the count, and he's throwing it, you know, sidearm. And within six, seven seconds, sometimes he sits there and he'll just stare at you until, you know, one of you backs off. He will make you think before the pitch is even released. And sometimes he just catches you so off balance, especially with with the O's game where he was he was using that cutter to like he was just on a different level. Like that must have been one of like a highlight moments for him and for the Yankees because he, he seems so dialed in, dialed into finding the lower inside corner of the cutter on lefties and even on righties just seemed outside and it would just buckle in back in and he he just seemed to know what he was doing he kept hitters so off balance and the timing was so different every single pitch he couldn't find it yeah man yeah and 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 like i said the stats don't lie like he, in in 22 games last year he had a 290 era right uh let me see he had 25 walks to 103 strikeouts. That's a pretty good ratio. And this year, you know, albeit two games, he hasn't allowed a run, bro. He hasn't allowed a run. And he's already at uh, 17 strikeouts to one walk, bro. That's insane. Like, you want to talk about who's hot. Nestor Cortez is hot, bro. And, oye, uh, as everybody who knows me knows, man, I, I... I am a big fan of the dude. Me and uh, my co-host that that recorded with me on Friday, Alex, we're big fans of the dude, number one, because he's Cuban like both of us are. And he's from the same area of Miami that we both are, Hialeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, we got that connection to him, that hometown connection to him, even though, you know, I got family from New York. I was raised in Hialeah. And you know, that's where he's from. And then being a fellow Cubano, bro, like, I love seeing what he does. And, I mean, I got to ask you, Sean, do you think he's a lock to, you know, stay in the rotation long term? He has to be at this point, right? Like, even if if the Yankees say trade for a pitcher or they bring up a guy, Nestor Cortez's spot in the rotation should be secure at this point, don't you think? At this, uh, yeah, at this very point, he's definitely a lock, um, especially because he's the second lefty of the rotation, and you know how much, uh, you know, Cashman loves having his lefty righty switch, and uh, he's definitely, you know, he's he's been the best pitcher in our rotation so far, and uh, yeah, he's he's definitely a lock. Um, you know, I'm, of course, it's not gonna last forever. You can't be, can't have 17 strikeouts to one walk or 17 strikeouts to nine innings. You're talking about almost a two strikeouts, you know, per inning ratio. Yeah. And uh, it won't last forever, but, you know, they trusted him. You know, we all thought going into the uh, offseason this year that the Yankees would look for a starting pitcher because we were unsure if this was a fluke 
from Nestor last year, going with a 2.90 ERA, and uh, they seemed to trust him, so they kept him, and um, it has been nothing but but incredible since his you know his I guess technically his third tenure because he was drafted by the Yankees, then went to Baltimore, then came back, then went to Seattle, then came back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's been great. I think this is the peak of his career right now. It is. It is. And and you got to admire the dude's work ethic. Like, even during the lockout, man, I follow him on social media. Like, you saw him, you know, in the gym working out, getting his endurance training on, doing everything he had to do to stay ready. Like, the dude stayed ready, and he's reaping the rewards. And I'm very happy for him. I thought prior to the season, you know, obviously not knowing if they were going to trade for a pitcher, but I knew that he would factor in somehow. I figured worst case scenario, he'd be that Swiss army knife that they could use out of the pen and maybe give a few spot starts to whenever you would need a guy to spot start. But at this point, screw spot starts. He needs to be in the rotation and he needs to be pitching every fifth day. No questions asked. That's that's my opinion. You know what I'm saying? You're free to disagree with me, but that's my opinion. I fully agree with you because of the fact that he's – he has done nothing but dominate dominate since he's uh since he started you know these two games he's he looked great and i and you know obviously we all talk about the the blue uh, the Orioles game but the Blue Jays game where a whole a, a super heavy right-handed lineup in the Blue Jays and he kept them scoreless for 5 innings or 4 and a third or something like that he was including dumb. Vlad, bro. Including yeah. Vlad. <laughs> that, that team is so stacked, and especially on the right-handed side. And that that's exactly why, you know, and that's why I find it so amazing. Because the Yankees had purposely made Severino the second starter to avoid to, to make Montgomery avoid pitching against the Blue Jays. He'd pitch against Boston, and then he'd get the first game against the Orioles because they didn't want that lefty. To him, a lefty against you know all those righties, but they had to keep Cortez in there, and Cortez showed that hey, I can I can take him, and I love yeah. that mentality. And with yeah, him, man. I like I I was what you said before, you know, when you were watching him in the off season and stuff, and you know his Instagram, social medias. When I went down to Tampa for you know start of uh, um, when the lockout at first ended, the second the lockout I ended, me and Julian, you know. Uh, helped book a flight and I went to Tampa to see them and before spring training games and every single day Nestor was out there you know throwing you know long throwing long toss or he was getting some work in and he was the only pitcher that I saw there probably were others but that I can remember from a starter that I saw every single day every single day that was you know practicing you know in the long toss or getting in some pitches in he was and you know making time for the fans He's he's a great person, and uh, he really, you know, he worked really hard to to make sure he stayed as as that fifth starter. Yeah, man. Hopefully he does. Um, now, unfortunately, moving on to the ugly, what what who's been cold, which unfortunately is this Yankees <laughs> offense. We don't need to dig too deep into it or stay too long talking about it because I feel like I'll work my way into into some heartburn or acid indigestion or something <laughs> just thinking about it so just I'll, I'll ask you man i'll put you on the spot you know your first time on with me and i'm gonna put you on the spot right away here we go what do you think 
is up with this Yankee offense? And is this a repeat of 2021 all over again, which is the sentiment that seems to be coming across in Yankees Twitter? No, it's not. The, the, it is not the repeat of 2021. I think it's, um, it's a shortened spring. And, you know, I know people think that that only matters for pitchers, but I think that it matters for hitters as well. And obviously, you know, spring training is you're just trying to catch up and get your bat speed right and get the, you know, get your stuff going. Pitchers, sorry, a lot of trains. And, uh, but, you know, we saw from Kiner Falefa and from Higashioka, they're amazing yeah, spring training and, it, you know, to coming out super cold to start the season. Um, I was saying, I was saying with Julian that I think for a lot of new time Yankees or, you know, uh, I think they do better on the road because of how much, um, how much is weight is on their shoulders to perform at Yankee stadium as a new Yankee. And, uh, especially, you know, with this lineup, I think it's, it's still trying to work out the kinks of where do people fit in the lineup? Cause you know, we we've we changed the lineup so often, and now we're kind of just going with who's our hottest hitter, and that's right now, shockingly, between uh, is Aaron Hicks and you know, not shocking with Lemayhu, but you know, now we're just having Hicks at the top of the lineup because he's been the best hitter on the team, and he could you know switch hit. I, I I'm sorry to disagree with you, Sean, but you know, I guess that's the beauty of podcasts that we can disagree and still have good conversation. <laughs> but I feel like our best hitters have been Stanton and Rizzo, bro. They've been yeah, the most I, consistent since day one. I agree with you on that. I'm just saying when it comes to if you want to look at statistics and batting average and stuff like mm-hmm. that, Hicks has been the one that's that that's uh I think if I'm not mistaken, he's hitting uh I believe three thirty three from the last time I saw. And, you know, he's been the one that's you know, always getting the bat on the ball. I, I trust me, if if there's anyone I don't like that would be on the Yankees. Aaron Hicks is the one that makes my blood boil the most. But, you know, uh, he's been the one that's constantly getting bad on ball. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Stan and Rizzo are are your best hitters on the team. But I'm saying as of right now, I think Hicks has looked the hottest, even though at times he's, you know, taking his chances on uh, getting into some double plays with bases loaded. That's happened a couple times so far this year. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe I just don't see it, bro, but it's like, especially when you look at that double play he grounded into and just overall, I, I, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he has been a good hitter this year and I just don't see it because he just hasn't come through in the moments where we've needed him the most. And I feel like even our listeners from Yankees Twitter, if they hear you praising Hicks, they'll they'll <laughs> want to come at you with like pitchforks. They'll be like, how dare he, you know, give Hicks props? Because <laughs> like people want to send him to like the sun at this point, like the oh, boys yeah. of 161st Street always say, send him to the sun. Like that's what they want to do with, with, with Aaron Hicks at this point, man. Like he is not, I really want him to turn it around and get it done more consistently and be better overall. Um, LeMahieu's been good. I agree on him. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, and I know we touched on this, you know, off air, but I feel like we need to see more from Kiner Falefa. I, um, I like what he's been doing recently. I feel like 
finally he's coming into his own and kind of coming out of his shell and 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 he's not playing as nervous or as tense you know he's not pressing as much like i like i spoke with julian you know and and alex um he's not pressing as much because you know maybe he now doesn't feel as as much pressure to you know produce wearing the jersey of his favorite player wearing the jersey of his favorite team maybe now he just looks at it like okay i'm here it's time to just produce and maybe he's not thinking about it so much and just letting his play speak for him i don't know but you i still feel like you still need to see more um so i i'm hoping in this detroit series that we'll see more from him um i would like to see more from higashioka Uh, I feel like Trevino is playing so good that he's almost damn near putting Higashioka on the bench and almost, if he hasn't already, pretty much claiming the starting job for him, even though with this, with this team, like we, like we both just said, there's no real starting job because everybody sits every other day, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I would like to see more from those two guys and, uh, and, you know, even from judge, man, not for nothing, but you know, this is a contract year, you know, you declined the Yankees offer. They made you before the season started, you know, basically you declined it because you wanted to bet on yourself, right? Well, you want to bet on yourself. Give me numbers that show it was worth betting on yourself. Like he's been good. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but has he been the judge that, everybody expects him to be on a contract year, you know, demanding all that mega money. He wants that Mike Trout money. No, he hasn't been that Mike Trout money guy yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, like I, like I say, you know, it's, it's so early and I, I know, I, but I'm the one that would, that preaches that every game matters and every, every win, every loss, you know, especially to a division that really hurts and, All that, all that jazz, but yeah, ja uh, Judge has, you know, I, I, uh, I'm pretty sure he's only hitting like 250 to 250 or 260, and he's struggling. I think he only has one home run to one RBI, um, and he's starting off a little slow. And uh, obviously, you know, you turn down uh, the big deal like that, you know, to stay a Yankee for for basically for life, and you bet on yourself to to get a huge contract and Mike Trout money, the the big the biggest contract or one of the biggest contract in sports you're going to have to do eventually and relatively soon you're going to have to start producing like that or you know somewhere in that ballpark to get something near that because you know you keep it around this this for the next couple months and contract talks start start looking different yeah yeah um i mean right now aaron judge uh, as we speak yeah one home run one rbi He has nine hits, five runs scored, you know, batting 257. Very good. That was, that was good on you. <laughs> and, uh, and with a 429 slugging. So, I mean, like I said, it's not bad. They're not bad numbers, but they're not the numbers you expect from a guy who, like we just said, wants Mike Trout money, you know, not for nothing, You know, and he's my favorite player, so I don't even want to say anything negative about him. But, 
you know, when you do a podcast, you have to be objective. You can't let your fandom get in the way. And objectively, bro, not for nothing, but his counterpart, Giancarlo Stanton, is outproducing him. Giancarlo's having a better year than him so far. So I feel like he's got to get it together, me personally, you know? I agree 100%. Um, I, I keep thinking in the back of my head, like, you know, people people are definitely going to come after me for what I just said about Hicks. And I'm not going to take anything away. But Hicks Hicks is has like a 438 on base, you know, percentage. He he's been drawing a lot of walks and you know, being 9 for 27 to start the year is n- never bad. So, I'm not saying that he's the best player on the team and like I said, he is probably the one I don't like to see on the field the most. But at this point, we're I think we're just trying to ride the hot hand, and uh, he's been one of the hottest hands on the team so far, and the most consistent. Even though he's been the the one I trust the least when it comes to opportunities to score runs. Quickly before we move on to to our next subject, man, um, what are your thoughts? I know, like I said, we talked about it off air. What are your thoughts about Kiner Falefa? Do you agree with my take that he finally seems to be? you know, loosening up and, and not pressing as much? Do you, do you like what you see from him so far? Do you agree with me that you want to see more from him? What What's your thoughts on IKF and this whole thing where I know, like you told me off air also, they're still putting Glaber at, at shortstop sometimes. Like, do you feel that if IKF steps up, we don't have to see Glaber at shortstop ever again. Like, do you think that's the only reason or is it just a matter of this whole rotation thing the Yankees got going on? Like, is this an IKF thing or a Yankees thing? Like what, what's your thoughts on the whole IKF situation slash shortstop situation? Um, I think IKF will be fine. I think it's super early. And um, like I said before, when I was talking to Julian about, IKF and I said to him that he was I I I bet so much I I I bet I told him that I think that IKF will really struggle to start the year especially when it comes to playing at Yankee Stadium you know being a fan of the Yankees like so many are but also producing trying to produce against your biggest rival on a team that you know you 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 grew up your whole life watching I figured he would struggle, and I think, you know, sometimes, like when Stanton came to the Yankees in his first series in Yankee Stadium, getting booed like crazy because, you know, he struck out five times in, you know, two games, you know. So I think Yankee fans are very impatient, and then with with Yankees Twitter and that piled in, it, it no matter what, it kind of leaks into your mind, like, of how, oh, this guy's terrible. But he's not terrible. You know, he... The, the one thing I will say that, that concerns me a tiny bit about Kainer Falefa is his arm strength. Because yeah, there are times I can, I can where I see, see him at shortstop. And I know he won gold glove at third in, in the in the 2020 year. But sometimes mm-hmm. at shortstop, he, he seems like uh, very stiff with it. And then when he tries to throw it, he's kind of like... He's kind of just putting like everything he has into it just to try to you know get the guy out at first. And... Uh, I hope that that's not a serious concern, but again, I know he's only supposed to be in our plans for a year, maybe a year and a half, whatever full pay's expectancy yeah. is. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, I really hope that Kleber never plays shortstop again, unless it's the most emergency situation, because 
I have had enough of seeing him, and I'm like I said, I'm I'm not a hater in any way. I am I will believe Glaber until like the end of last year was my favorite player, always was. Like I he's like he's like a month younger than me. He's he's like I I even though he's way better than me in baseball, but like I relate to him in a way because like a young kid like that to go to the Yankees of all you know getting traded to the Yankees and having to perform like you know we all remember when he got called up. And yeah. like we were like, this is the guy. This is the yeah. guy, and yeah. you know we were we were t- thinking about him way more than we were in Duhar. So, you know, because um, he came with so much promise from the Cubs, man. Exactly. So I don't, I don't mind seeing Glaber on the team. Just not a shortstop. Just not a shortstop, and I and as long as it doesn't affect DJ's day to day, which it mm-hmm. seems right now it is because. We're doing this whole rotation thing, but if DJ starts getting hot and you know IKF is starting to play good shortstop and hitting at his usual 260, 275, you're gonna have to start looking about at what to do with Glaber. Yeah, yeah, brother. Amen. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see what happens. Um, moving on, um, because I I want to wrap this up soon because the game actually has oh, just yeah. started. We're in the top of a of the first as we're speaking. Um. Yanks already have somebody on first base, so good for them. They're starting out good. Uh, let's get into this Detroit series. So okay. tonight we have Garrett Cole versus Tyler Alexander, talented rookie for, for Detroit. Tomorrow it's Luis Severino versus Eddie Rodriguez. We all remember him from his Boston days. And then Thursday – you have Monty, Jordan Montgomery pitching, and Detroit has not announced their starter yet. The Tigers are four and five, you know, more or less the same as us in record-wise anyway. Um, they're missing Javi Baez still, who was placed on the 10-day IL Saturday, this past Saturday, retroactive to April 13th. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, they, they got some bats, man. They got they got some ballers up in that lineup, you know, even without bias. I mean, you look at a lineup where you have Austin Meadows in there, you know, ex-Yankee hot. killer. Yeah, you remember what he did, what he did against us when he was with the oh, Rays, yeah. you know? And he's red hot to start the year. I think he's hitting over 400. Yeah, you, you got Miguel Cabrera still in there, which, hey, he may be old as molasses at this point, but he can still <laughs> ball. He can still hit. He just can't field anymore. So he's still a threat. They got their their top prospect up, you know, thankfully with this whole change um, with the labor negotiations. Now there's not so much of a initiative to manipulate service time because you actually get rewarded if you don't. So I think Detroit fully bought into that and they called up their top prospect Spencer Torkelson he's playing against us tonight and he's had a good start to the year so I mean this Detroit series is not gonna be easy by any stretch playing in Detroit oh and uh one other little side note I actually saw this from Julian uh, on Twitter uh I I hadn't noticed this I'll, I'll fully admit it but um, Miguel Cabrera is only five hits away from 3K. Yeah, I was just about to say that to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't noticed because 
truthfully, I, I don't watch any Tigers games, you know, full transparency. I'm a Yankee fan. So, you know, but big ups to Miguel. Um, I don't know if it'll happen against the Yankees, but you know, it, it's there. He's five hits away. So what's your thoughts on this Tigers series, Sean? Uh, any, any thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are I'm going – I'm going all in on this one and saying that I think the Yankees sweep. I think you think so. I do. I do believe because um, having the day off and then you're having your one, two, and three on a team that is you know doesn't have bias now. You know, not having their their two one of their two top starters with Casey Mize and Matt Manning. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know that shakes up, and they have one of their best relievers, Andrew Chafin, is also not there. He's yeah, he's yeah, still I forgot hurt. about him. So you know, there's there's a, a lot of guys who are kind of filling in their spots, and you know, obviously it's still 28 man. So, but you know, you got a lot of guys, and their team's a little beat up at the moment. You know, start the year, and I think with with the off day yesterday, I feel like the Yankees definitely had you know a talk within themselves, and you know, trying to after after it, an embarrassing weekend, you know, on on Jackie Robinson Day and Easter. To come out and lose games like that, that, you know, that hurts. It hurts our fan base. It hurts, you know, any Yankee, anything, fan, player, that hurts. So I think, you know, a nice off day yesterday to talk about it and regroup. And with our, you know, Cole, Severino, Monty, I see the Yankees coming out and making a statement to show that they are for real and that it kind of slows down all the negative talk in, uh, in Yankee land. So... I do believe the Yankees will come out and and sweep, but if not, if they if they lose two out of three to Detroit, and I, I'm not saying Detroit's a bad team, because Detroit is on its way, and yeah, they're playing a little hurt, but they have guys, and they're gonna be a serious threat in two to three years from now. I mean, let's see. I I, I completely agree with your take. Um, they are gonna be a serious threat. I don't think they're a real threat now, especially like you said, they're beat up. Um. And like I said, records speak for themselves. They're they're four and five. So they're they're a team that I mean, I wasn't gonna go all out and say they should sweep, but I feel like you should win this series. I only say they they I wasn't gonna say the sweep because you don't know what version of Garrett Cole you're gonna get tonight. You know, him against and Julian said this on Twitter also, by the way, um, him against Austin Meadows who you know Austin Meadows has given him fits. That worries me. Um, You know, him in general recently, uh, especially with the home run ball that that's been plaguing him, that scares me. If we get the Garrett Cole that we all know and love tonight, the one that we've seen, the one that we saw against Houston last year, if you remember that game, um, in Houston, Uh oh, yeah. Then, then I feel good about our chances about sweeping because you like what Severino has done to start the year, especially his last game. I love his passion. I love his energy. You know, you saw him even challenge, uh, what's this kid's name? The, the big pitcher, Manoa. You saw him yeah. challenge Manoa to come to the mound when he was, you know, chirping at him. Like, I love that fire from Sevi. you oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? And then not for nothing, but Tyone has looked good. So, Oh, actually, I forgot. It's Montgomery that's pitching the on on the third day. Well, still, yes. he he hasn't looked bad. So, you know, if you get the good Garrett Cole tonight, 
I like our chances of sweeping with Seve pitching tomorrow, given how he's pitched lately. And, you know, given the fact that Detroit doesn't even know who the hell their starter is on Thursday, it's right now it's set as TBA. So you got to like your chances. I, I just, like I said, I worry about what version of Garrett Cole we're going to get tonight. Um, as we're, we're talking, uh, the Yanks now have runners on first and second in the top of the first with LeMahieu batting. So, I mean, they look like they got a little rally going in the top of the first. Let's see. Let's see if, uh, (laughs) (laughs) let's see if LeMahieu comes through and doesn't, uh, squander this opportunity. You know, hopefully the Yankees get out to an early lead and give Garrett Cole some cushion before, you know, he comes out to pitch for the first time in the bottom of the first against a, a Detroit offense playing in their home stadium. Um, it's another situation though, where we go first and second, two outs. We've had that yeah. so many times so far this year. By the way, um, tonight the Yankees seem to listen to you, Sean. They did not start Glaber. He's yes. sitting tonight, so I know you got to be happy about that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I said, like you got to figure out what's best for the team, and, and you know, I know Glaber. They they obviously didn't trade Glaber this offseason, so they obviously want him part of the plans. You just you know he's hitting one sixty one to start the year, and it's not you know it's the beginning of the year, so it's not terrible. But yeah, it's you know you got to start getting Lemayhu's every day at bats, and if we're trying to get you know Kiner Falefa you know real starting time to be a shortstop, you got to leave him in too. Mm-hmm. And Hicks is the hottest bat, the hottest average bat. I'm, I'm taking that back. <laughs> <laughs> the hottest average bat, so he's gonna stay in and play center, you know. And you, you can't take out Judge. Or do you any... like? Do you like him? Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Do you okay. like him leading off? By the way, I know that's a that's a hot yes. topic too amongst Yankees Twitter. Do you like him leading off? Right now, right now I do, because okay. Donaldson's been really uh, struggling, and he's never ever let off. So I was never really too uh, keen on that whole idea of him being, you know, a power hitter to start the game and. I like I like Hicks because you know whoever's starting will automatically have to face someone on the opposite side, and then you know keep someone uncomfortable. And Hicks is kind of just like uh, Glaber. I mean Glaber Gardner was in a sense where he will make you run that pitch count, and mm-hmm. then Judge will do mm-hmm. the same thing. So if you could get to you know eight, nine, ten pitches by you know by your third the third guy in the lineup. Then you're you're trying to already get you know the pitcher out of this game like Tyler Alexander I'm pretty sure he's already at 25 pitches you know to to start this first inning yeah and you know it, that's that's how you have to do it you have to immediately get into the other team's bullpen and I don't think anyone has a bullpen like the Yankees so nah nah not even close not even close man I mean you know with Loizaga's bad game on Sunday aside you got a guy like Loizaga. You got Licky, who's been good. You know, you got Michael King, who's coming into his own. Um, obviously, Chapman, who, you know, he can lose control sometimes, like we saw uh, recently. Um, I forgot what game it was, but that that one game where, where Boone took him out in the ninth because he just didn't have it. Um, if, if you remember. I, game, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. The so straight walks. Yeah. So, I mean. Even though he can be on and off, he's still one of the most dominant closers in the game. And then, you know, you got 
you just got so many arms in there. Like, yeah, I agree with you. There's no bullpen in, in the majors like the Yanks. Um, yeah, like I said, man, by the way, base is loaded now for the Yanks I in know. the first. I just um, it on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, moving on, man, because uh, I want to get to our next topic uh, before we wrap this up. But I, I agree with you. I feel like you should win this series. Uh, and like I and I agree with you. Best case scenario, you need to sweep this series, especially if you know, the Yankees score here, Garrett Cole gets run support and he comes out and pitches like the Garrett Cole we all know. I feel like there's no excuse to sweep this series and get momentum back on your side if you're the Yankees. Um, moving on really quick, uh, before, we, before we move on, uh, for all of you that follow me on Yankees Twitter, uh, at Elijah's dad, NYY, or Julian, or uh, John Brophy. I'm sure if you follow any of the three of us, you guys saw that we were at the at the Tampa Tarpons game on Sunday. I wanted to briefly touch on that because it was my first ever time seeing Jason Dominguez in person. Let me tell you, the hype is real, okay? The kid looks swole as hell. Looks like he could be a bodybuilder. And that's him toning down because he used to be bigger. And you see him play. You see his speed. You see his power when he hits, even, even when he was taking batting practice. You know, he looks legit. He looks legit. I, I got to say that. And also, um, Alexander Vargas, our shortstop down there. Yeah, that kid's a baller. He can fly. He's very fast on the bases. And he hit a home run on Sunday. So, you know, he's got some pop, even though initial reports um, a couple of years back, if I'm not mistaken, had had a scouting report where that was one of the main things that scouts were down on him, that he needed some more pop on his bat, that he didn't have enough power on his bat. So he seems to have turned that around. Um, Antonio Gomez looked good. Uh, I liked what we saw in the bottom of the lineup with Santos and with uh, Ryder Green. And uh, big shout out to, to the starter, uh, Champlain. I, I forgot his first name. It escapes me at the moment. But um, he pitched really good. The bullpen, Chandler Champlain. Chandler Champlain is his name. He he seemed to have a good arm out there, man. Like he, his stuff coming out and you know, the good thing about going to a single A game like the Tarpons is pretty much every seat is fair game, especially on a Sunday. I, I don't know if I should be saying this because then I'm like spoiling a good secret, but, you know, it, it, it is. And lucky for me, I was able to get seats literally right behind home plate. And I'm literally sitting almost dead behind the catcher, like right behind the catcher seeing this kid throw and man I was impressed like he, he had some good stuff so props to him props to what the Tarpons are doing down there uh, again definitely keep an eye on them and for for you guys that don't know out there most of you do but for those of you that don't if you want the best Tarpons coverage definitely Definitely follow my my compatriot, my my co-host on this podcast, John Brophy. You can follow him at J Brophy Baseball, J B R 
O-P-H-Y baseball. He has you covered with the best Tarpons coverage. And obviously Julian's got you with, with double A. Um, Sean, any thoughts on, you know, what we got down in the minors? Are you ex as excited about Dominguez? Do you follow the minor league stuff or, or not really? I do follow the minor league stuff. Tarpons is, is, um, something I'm growing into, but I do follow Somerset and, and, uh, uh, Scranton a lot. Uh, I, I was with Julian when we went to see him at minor league camp, uh, I'm talking about Dominguez and yes, that kid is the hype is real. And I was at first when I saw him because at minor league camp, it's the, the fields are right across the street from Steinbrenner field. And you can, you're basically like right next to the person because it's minor league camp. It's not like a big crazy hype scene where everyone's got to be all over, you know, and, and stuff like that they're right next to you and he is he is a big dude and his bat speed is is so incredible mm -hmm. and something I, I i was like skeptical about in the beginning i didn't think that like oh i wonder you know being that big can you get the bat around but oh man that that kid's gonna be incredible in years to come i don't know what year he'll be coming up i probably two or three years away but yeah that, that kid is going to be phenomenal. And he's Vargas fast. is phenomenal. Oh yeah, and, and he's deceptively fast for a big yes. guy. He's deceptively fast. In in minor league camp, every time he he would get on base a lot. So every time he went on base, he was always stealing, always because he had that speed. We we would literally the the people I would watch it with were we would just count. We would just sit there and we go. We would like make bets like second pitch. Third pitch. No, it's going to yeah. be third pitch. He's he stole third base in that game that me, Julian, and, uh, and John Brophy saw together. He stole third base in that game. It, he's – it's so crazy because you would never think he's that fast from looking at him. But he is He is a specimen to watch. He is going to be great. I really look forward to seeing him in, you know, the coming years. He signed an autograph for my kid, man. I was so ecstatic for my wow. kid. I'm like – when I gave it to him, I'm like – I told my son, I'm like, son, do you know how lucky you are right now? Do you know what you're holding? You know? <laughs> so hold on to that forever. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Sean, I, I think on that note, man, uh, we're gonna call it. Um to nothing yet. You wanna oh, they came through. Good, good stuff, good stuff. I'm glad, man. Um good, good. That's that's what you should be doing. That's um right. Who who came through with the hit? Well, I don't know if he really necessarily came through, but Donaldson got on from a fielding error from the pitcher. So oh okay. Sometimes right. you got to take the runs where you can. There you and go. Hey, anytime giving Cole a lead before he can take the mound is always a huge positive and a momentum shift right off the bat. So it's gonna be good a good stuff. Game. Good stuff. I'm glad. I'm glad, man. Hey. Then no excuses to not come out and pitch like the Garrett Cole we all know, man. You even got run That's support, right. which is something a lot of our pitchers haven't been able to say early on in this 2022. Again, Yankees Twitter and Yankees fans. Key word, early on. It's still That's early. Right. But, you know, we, we got to talk about it regardless because we are a podcast. But, yeah, you know, you got run support. Come out, dominate. That's what I want to end this podcast podcast on. Dominate Garrett Cole. Dominate those Tigers. So for me and for my buddy here, Sean Negron, um, I want to wish y'all a good 
rest of your week. We will be back on hopefully recording on Friday and releasing the episode before our next series, which is against the Cleveland Guardians. If y'all want to call them that, I'll still call them the Cleveland Indians because that's what I grew up with them being. But we'll definitely get y'all covered before that series starts on Friday. Um, For me and Sean, y'all have a good one, all right? Yes, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Go Yankees, that's it. Go Yanks, baby. Let's do this.